The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said done. Hey, Browns fans, before we get started, just want to thank the sponsors of today's show. Head to omahasteaks.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S right now and use promo code dogs when you check out. Take advantage of the 50% off site-wide sale, plus you'll get eight free burgers with your order. And again, use that code dogs when you check out to get $30 off your order. And Danger Coffee. Get 10% off at dangercoffee.com slash dogs. Use promo code dogs. 10% off mold-free, toxin-free, delicious coffee. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Reniker, Justin Charles, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into another episode of the Dogs Podcast presented by Omaha Steaks. They got that great deal going on right now, guys, at 50% off site-wide, plus you get eight free burgers and you get $30 off using promo code DOGS. Go to omahasteaks.com slash dogs. Take care of those orders today. Josh, all alone with you, coming to you with episode four of the State of the Browns series. If you missed the first three parts of this, I started off with cornerbacks, went into safeties, and most recently covered the linebacker position, which primarily was JOK, with a little Tony Fields mixed in. So go back and watch those. This will be the final episode talking about the defensive side of the ball for the Browns. We are going to be talking about the defensive line. We're going to start with the defensive ends and work our way into the defensive tackles. So a lot of free agents coming off of the Browns 2023 roster this offseason because there were a lot of one-year deals signed by Andrew Barry in the Browns front office last offseason. So we've got some names that may or may not be back and we'll definitely be going in-depth about the players that are on the roster and will be on the roster in 2024. And it's only fitting, honestly, to do this episode the week after Miles Garrett wins Defensive Player of the Year. And we've had the absolute meltdown from the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base that we detailed on our live show Monday night. And we've talked about all week and been poking holes at Steelers fans online this entire time. It's just been a ton of fun. You know, so we'll talk about Miles Garrett, obviously, primarily on this episode. And then we'll probably just leave a lot of that to rest because I'm sure they're going to cry and continue to cry the entire offseason. But the Browns have bigger and better things to worry about now, and it is getting ready for 2024. So that's what this episode is all about, helping you understand where the Browns stand in terms of their, their current roster and contract situations and all that stuff. Before we dive in, I do want to remind you guys that 
um, let's see, this is Friday. So on Wednesday, the first part of my podcast interview with Barry Shuck, Dogs by Nature staff writer, came out and we were talking about NFL draft prospects that Barry actually got to go see, talk to, interview, watch, all that good stuff at the Senior Bowl. And if you have not been paying attention, close attention in recent years, which is totally fine, the Brown season is over, not everybody does draft prep and stuff, especially when the NFL playoffs are still going on. But the Senior Bowl has kind of become the first look, the first place where the, the upcoming draft class really is to showcase what they can do. And a lot of these guys from the Senior Bowl are really starting to make a splash in the NFL. They're starting to move up draft boards. You're seeing guys from the Senior Bowl start to be taken in the first, second, third rounds. And it's, there, there's a lot of names on these episodes with Barry that are going to be very important to remember and to, to know as the draft season unfolds. So check that out later this weekend will be the next part. We'll be talking about running backs and offensive line. And then next week we'll dive into the defense. So last thing, make sure you like the video, subscribe on YouTube. We're trying to hit 9,000 here soon. And then we need to get to 10. We need to get to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. So if you're watching this and you haven't subbed, just do us a solid Click the subs, uh, subscribe button, tap the notification bell so you don't miss any of the new content we have coming out. It's going to be a really, really fun information content packed off season. And we have already begun. This is already like week six of massive content overload coming from the Dogs Podcast. So appreciate everybody tuning in. And now, why don't we go ahead and dive in to the defensive line? And of course, we're going to start things off with Miles Garrett. Six foot four, 272 pounds, 28 years old. He will turn 29 in December. It's hard to hard to believe Miles Garrett is already going to be 29 years old this upcoming football season, but he has already had a pretty extensive career and there's still a lot left to come. 2023 was his seventh NFL season, so we're entering year eight with Miles Garrett in Cleveland. He was born in Arlington, Texas. And actually, here's my video from we were up at training camp last preseason and Miles Garrett came into the locker room. He was heading in and we, we got him to come over and give us a fist bump. So this is that video. Pretty cool. He played college ball at Texas A&M. And of course, as you all know, I am sure he was the number one overall pick by the Browns in 2017. Now, this year, 2023, despite what anybody with hatred in their heart toward the Browns or Miles Garrett wants to tell you. Listen to this list of accolades for, for Miles Garrett in 2023. Pro Bowl selection. First team All-Pro by the AP. First team All-Pro by the NFL PA. Defensive Player of the Year by the PFWA, that's Pro Football Writers Association. Defensive Player of the Year by Sporting News and Defensive Player of the Year by the AP. He also won, of course, three Mad Dogs. He's the first three-time award winner for our award show. He won the Play of the Year, the Defensive Player of the Year, and the Team MVP for 2023. So Miles Garrett is super accomplished this season. And we're going to break it down because, you know, there is still this myth, this misconception that Miles Garrett disappeared in the second half of the season. 
And we'll dive into that, why people think that, and why it's not necessarily true. And we need to understand that as well from the podcast side of things, because we were hard on Miles as the season was going on. Each game, it was like, man, it just didn't feel like he was he was getting after the quarterback out there. But when you go back and look at the numbers for each of the games, it starts to tell a different story. So we'll dive into that. So again, like the other episodes... 16 games is the baseline for a guy like Miles Garrett because none of the starters played in that week 17 or week 18 game, the 17th game of the season. So Miles Garrett played 100% of the games this year. He played in all 16 of his games despite the shoulder injury in week 12 against Denver. If you remember, came out after the game wearing a sling, said that he heard a pop in his shoulder. And if you watch the podcast, then we all sat back and said, well, F. That's an IR. He's going on IR. All of our other stars are on IR. Miles Garrett was having a humongous season, just a monster season up to that point. And I don't know how many people even remember that at this point in the offseason. Miles Garrett was dominating, dominating on the defensive side of the ball all the way up until he had that injury. So let's look at some stats. We'll just talk about the quick bad. Overall, he missed just four tackles on the season and overall his tackles were down this year 42 tackles compared to 60 last year 51 the year before he had 17 tackles for loss that looks to be second highest of his entire career so that was good his tackles for loss the dude was in the backfield like crazy he had 14 sacks we'll talk about it but 13 of those came in the first 10 games he played over the last six he only had one so we'll break down some of those numbers here in a minute uh 30 quarterback hits, second most of his entire career. Um, What else can we pull out of here? So he had the the four force fumbles. He had the one fumble recovery. He had, looks like, three pass breakups. And we remember he had the blocked field goal against the Colts. Miles Garrett was just a one-man wrecking crew for the most part out there for the Browns this year. So looking at the sacks, like I said, 13 sacks in 10 games, that came out to 1.3 sacks per game. And then immediately after the injury, that number dropped to just one sack over the final six games. So there's no doubt, there's no question. The injury was an obvious factor in the overall production, I guess, in terms of the box score and the stat sheet for Miles Garrett. Because you don't just drop from, I mean, the dude was on a 22 sack pace over 16, 17 game season. He was on pace for 22 sacks and he ended with 14. So you don't just go from a 22 sack pace to essentially zero without something external causing that to happen. And, you know, I saw a lot of people posting how Miles Garrett's stats are always lower in the last third of the season each year. And when I, when I look at that to me, it's like, well, you know, no shit. When a guy plays the entire season, when is he more likely to be as close to healthy as possible? earlier in the season when is a player most likely to be dealing with various injuries that he has sustained over the course of the season later in the season and as a side note anyone who says oh the second half of the season he disappeared it was six games last i checked teams play 17 games not 12 so it was not it was not a half of the season it was the final third of the season when people are referring to when they say that So I know a lot of this is kind of common sense. Obviously, guys are going to be more likely to be injured later in the season than they are early. So, you know, I don't mean to insult you guys watching this. It's primarily, you know, people who 
jump into these episodes and watch this just to nitpick things. And, you know, now a lot of them are online just proudly displaying for all to see just how little they actually know about football. It kind of drives me nuts. So is it disappointing when his production in, in terms of tackles and sacks dropped off? Of course. Of course that was disappointing. But I did a Miles Garrett, TJ Watt comparison. And even with the drop off in stats, Miles Garrett still maintained higher pass rush numbers than TJ Watt over the entire season. So over the entire course of the season, not just the beginning, not just those first two thirds, but over the entire season, his pass rush numbers were still higher than TJ Watts. So that means even though the tackles and sacks dropped off after that week 12 injury, his pass rush and the impact on the defense did not. His pressure numbers prove that after the injury in the Denver game, even though he didn't record any sacks, Miles Garrett came out and had just two pressures against the Los Angeles Rams. Pretty big down game, but again, it was questionable all week if he was even going to play. But then, after that LA Rams game, Miles Garrett had games of seven pressures, 11, eight, nine. Those were all the highest pressure numbers of the entire season for him. So, even after the injury, he was still getting after the passer and causing fits for the offensive lineman. And one other thing to note, because a lot of people ask about double teams. So, these are interesting numbers, and again, a lot of a lot of naysayers are going to say, well, PFF stats are garbage. Well, there's a reason the NFL uses PFF when it's doing its on-screen stats during the games, but whatever. Well, well, let's look at ESPN. Let's just look at ESPN. Miles Garrett beat a single blocker 30% of the time. That was the second most pass rush win rate uh, by, P- or by, by ESPN, which they track a pass rush win as beating your blocker within two two and a half seconds so under 2.5 seconds you beat your blocker because i looked the average time to throw for quarterbacks in the nfl this season was 2.78 seconds so do the simple math if you're getting past your blocker in under two and a half seconds and the average time to throw for a quarterback they're holding the ball on average 2.78 seconds you have a good chance of getting in the backfield while the quarterback still has the ball. So that's kind of where those numbers are coming from. So the highest pass rush win rate per ESPN was um, Micah Parsons at 35. Miles Garrett was second at 30. The interesting thing, when Miles Garrett faced a double team, his pass rush win rate was 29%. So essentially the same, 30 to 29, essentially the same number. So whether you had a single blocker on Miles or a double, he was winning his pass rushes at the same rate. That's a monster. That is a man right there. So I looked at TJ Watt. Very interesting. TJ Watt beat a single blocker 25% of the time. So just 5% less than Miles. But what happened whenever he was double teamed? When TJ Watt was double teamed, his pass rush win rate dropped clear down to 14%. That's a huge drop off to go from 25 to 14 whenever you get an extra blocker on you. And then you got a guy like Miles Garrett who you put an extra blocker on him nothing changes with his pass rush win rate. So, you know, there's been a lot of slander going on against Miles Garrett. And I'm here to tell you the guy, despite being injured, despite not racking up more sacks after the injury and all that kind of stuff was still getting after the passer at a super high rate. And I mean, he's impacting the game. He's impacting the game. And the last thing I want to talk about with this post 
injury post week 12 uh, stat line for Miles Garrett. When you look at the time to throw for the quarterbacks that the Browns face, you had Matthew Stafford, his average. So I'll just, I'll just list them off here. Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Case Keenum, Trevor Simeon, and then of course, CJ Stroud in the wild card game. All six of those quarterbacks when facing the Browns, when facing the defense of the Browns, Miles Garrett, the pass rush, Jim Schwartz, everything that was going on with the Browns defense. These six quarterbacks all had a much lower time to throw than their season average. So I'll just use, who do I want to use here? Trevor Simeon, 2.48 time to throw average for his entire season, which was, I think, only three games, but that was what it averaged out to against the Browns. He was dumping it off at 2.29. And I know 0.29 to 0.28 might not sound like a lot, but a tenth of a second can can make all the difference. That's a whole, like Blake said the other night, that's a step for a pass rusher. So these are important numbers. If you look at CJ Stroud, I'll just use him as my primary example. CJ Stroud in the wild card game had a 2.46, 2.46 time to throw. And for his season average, it was almost three. It was 2.93. So it, it I mean, almost a whole half of a second quicker, he was getting rid of the ball in the wild card game. So it might not have felt like Miles Garrett was doing much because he wasn't getting the quarterback on the ground. He wasn't getting sacks. He wasn't making these big tackles for loss and things like that. We have to remember that quarterbacks, opposing coordinators, coaches, by this point in the season, they had all the information they needed on the Browns defense. And it was, don't hold the ball. Just get rid of the ball. We saw it start midway through the game week one with Joe Burrow. We were up at the game and Joe Burrow would literally catch the snap, dump, catch, dump, you know, snap, dump, snap, dump. It was, it was really cool to see because the Browns were forcing three and outs. And that's why the Browns led the league in force three and outs because of this pass rush. So when anybody tells you that pass rush wins and all that stuff doesn't matter unless it results in a sack, they're full of shit. They're absolutely full of shit. And, I, I said the other night on the show, I posted a thing on Twitter and the people on Facebook are really freaking out too because I, I made a very snarky, sarcastic comment about Chris Jones only had four tackles, no sacks, no tackles for loss in the Super Bowl. Clearly, he sucked in that game. He was a no-show, a disappearing act and a fraud. That was very tongue-in-cheek sarcastic and a lot of people took it very seriously, which I love because I have so many comments now saying, what are you talking about? His pass rush was literally the difference between touchdowns and field goals or touchdowns and punts. And I'm like, exactly. Thank you for saying that. That's exactly what I was trying to get out of you guys. Thank you for walking into my trap. So don't let anybody fool you. Miles Garrett had an all around great season. He was, I mean, he was, a, offenses had to game plan specifically for him and Whenever an opposing team starts on their week on a Monday, you know, the coaching staff gets together and says, we got to change up our offensive game plan completely because they have this one guy. You're making a huge difference in the game. So real quick, PFF, minimum 200 snaps. That gave me 95 qualifying defensive ends. Miles Garrett's defense grade was a 93.6. That was number one overall. His pass rush grade was a 94.8. That was number one overall. He had 86 total pressures. That was tied for seventh overall with TJ Watt. He had 57 hurries. That was sixth overall. 14 quarterback hits tied for eighth. This is PFF's quarterback hits. His PFF pass rush win rate was 27.5%. That was first overall, according to them. Again, ESPN had him at 30%, which was second, according to their metrics. 
He had a 77.3 run defense grade. That was 17th overall. We we know that Miles Garrett is more, he's a pass rush, pass rush specialist, but his run defense is is actually not that bad. He had 37 stops this this year, 12th most in the entire league. And again, we've been talking about defensive stops on the previous episodes. That is a tackle that constitutes a failure for the offense. His run stop percent was 7.2. Number one was Demarcus Lawrence with 11.6. So not terribly far off from that. And he did all of this on 522 snaps, 135 fewer snaps than Max Crosby and 85 fewer snaps than TJ Watt, two of the fellow Depoy finalists. This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, you know my household runs on Omaha Steaks, and that's why I'm so excited that 50% off site-wide is back. That's right. It's Omaha Steaks President's Day sale, and right now, listeners of this show can go to omahasteaks.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, use promo code dogs when you check out, and get eight free burgers with your order. With the price of food and meat nowadays being sky high, these are my favorite sales of the year because nothing can beat 50% off all the juicy, tender steaks, burgers, chicken, pork, seafood, etc. Plus grab a package with the caramel apple tartlets for dessert. I never order anything from Omaha Steaks without getting those caramel apple tartlets. Take advantage of this sale right now before it's over. That's 50% off site-wide at omahasteaks.com slash dogs. Use promo code dogs and get eight free burgers with your order. Hey, Ohio, if you haven't downloaded the BetMGM app yet, you'll definitely want to take advantage of this limited time offer. New users who sign up through our link must deposit $10 and place a first wager of $5 on any live bet. Once your bet is placed, you will instantly receive $150 in bonus bets. You will get three bonus bet tokens of $50, allowing you to make multiple wagers with your bonuses. This offer is only available if you sign up through our link, which you can find in the description below, or scan the QR code on your screen to start signing up. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Last thing I wanted to mention here in relation to the run defense for Miles Garrett, ESPN also has a a pass rusher run stop win rate. So not just a pass rusher win rate, but what is your run stop win rate? And Miles Garrett was actually ranked seventh overall in the entire NFL in run stop win percentage. He had, let me see here, a 31%. And the highest was Max Crosby at 36. So... Miles Garrett and against the double team was 6%. So just to give you an idea, Max Crosby was the the top at 36% against the double team. He dropped down to 12. Miles Garrett was 31%. Double team dropped down to six. And I just thought that was very interesting that we had not only, according to ESPN, the number two defender and pass rush win rate, but he was also the number seven leader in run stop win rate as well. So all around... Miles Garrett had a damn good season. All right, so let's talk about his contract real quick. He is currently on a five-year, $125 million contract. He has the fourth largest edge rusher contract in the NFL. His 2024 cap hit is $20.2 million. He has a dead cap of $25.2 million. It doesn't matter about his dead cap because the dude's not going anywhere. Uh, We had Josh on Twitter ask if 
we would trade, be willing to trade Miles Garrett for a top five pick in the draft and use his freed up money to bring in a guy like Chris Jones. So I went to over the cap, which is where I get all these cap numbers and everything. So if you want to play around with this stuff yourself, just go to otc.com and check it out. And even if the Browns were to trade Miles Garrett post June 1st, they'd only clear up $5 million against the cap after his $15 million cap hit would take place in that situation. So I don't, I don't think there's any move like that that would even be practical for the Browns because even if you could trade him for a top five pick and plus, because I mean, I think you'd want plus for Miles Garrett, the, the money doesn't really make sense because like I said, you're only clearing up $5 million against the cap by trading him. That doesn't seem worth it to eat $15 million when you've got the defensive player of the year. You've got the best pass rusher in all of football on what finished as the number one defense in all of football. And we expect them to do nothing but get better going into tier year two under Jim Schwartz. So Miles Garrett, as interesting as some of those trade scenarios might be to talk about, to discuss, it's just not realistic, not really practical. Miles Garrett is going to be your defensive leader for the Cleveland Browns in 2024. So next on the Browns roster for 2024, Obo Okoronkwo, six foot two, 250 pounds, born in Gainesville, Florida. He played his high school ball in Houston, Texas. He played college ball at Oklahoma, was a fifth round pick, number 126 overall in 2018 by the Los Angeles Rams. Obo's 28 years old. I, I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was a little younger, but he has been with a couple different teams now. So... 28, he's going to turn 29 in April, so he'll be 29 for the 2024 season. He signed a one-year deal with the Texans in 2022 and then came over to Cleveland last offseason for a three-year, $19 million deal with the Browns. So stats-wise, Oba only missed two tackles on the season. He made 22 total tackles. He had 12 tackle for loss, eight QB hits, four and a half sacks. He had one fumble recovery, one pass breakup. I thought that for the role that they brought Oboe into play, I thought he did a really, really nice job. I, I was I was pleased with Oboe Okoronkwo in Jim Schwartz's defense. If we look at the PFF statistics, again, 20, 200 minimum snaps, 95 qualifying defensive ends. So Oboe only played 291 snaps. He was not, I mean, he was not the guy opposite Miles. That was Zadarius Smith. Oboe was kind of your rotational situational pass rusher, which is the role they brought him in to do. So it's not like he was demoted to this by any stretch. This is what they brought him in to do, and he did it. So he only played 291 snaps, barely made the cutoff for this, but he did. So at his defensive uh, grade was 65.7. That was 64th out of 95. His pass rush was 63.6. That was 62nd. Overall, he had 33 total pressures. That was 65th most in the league. Again, very, very few snaps compared to the leaders. 25 hurries, three QB hits, according to PFF. His pass rush win rate was 10.9%. That was 60th overall. His run defense was a 59.4. That was 76th overall. Again, like Miles, he's a pass rush specialist. He was not in there to handle a whole lot of run stopping downs. He had... He, in terms of the run game, though, he did have 22 stops. So I didn't think that was too shabby, just 15 fewer than Miles with a whole lot less snaps than Miles, and that just wasn't his role. So I thought when called upon to do to, to perform in some run defense situations, seems like he did pretty good. So he actually had the highest overall tackling grade. So I don't talk about tackling grade with a ton of these guys because, you know, 
pro football reference. We we look at tackles, missed tackles, all that stuff. But it was just interesting when I saw Oboe's tackling grade was an 82.7. And that was the highest overall among all the defensive ends in the NFL this year. So he seems to be a pretty sure-handed tackler. Like I said, only two missed tackles on the entire season. And then if we look into Oboe's contract situation, his 2024 cap hit was or is going to be $4 million, dead cap of $11.9 million. So that's a pretty big disparity. You could trade him, according to OTC, after June 1st, and you would save $2 million against the cap. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense, considering he is only counting $4 million against the cap this year. So I don't know why the Browns would move off of a guy that they brought in to perform a specific role to be an effective pass rusher and who filled that role well. And I just don't know why it would cost them $2 million essentially to save $2 million. It doesn't really make sense. So Obo Okoronkwo will be with the Browns in 2024. And again, like his, his contract does not hurt us this season against the cap. So I'm very excited to see what Obo can do you know, in year two with Jim Schwartz, I know he was injured toward the end of the season, missed some time and worked really, really hard to get back. We all thought he was going to go on IR. He ended up missing three games, came back in that week 17 matchup against the Bengals just to kind of get his feet wet again before the playoffs. And, you know, he uh, he was one of those guys that just exuded the the new Cleveland dog mentality, you know, for this Browns team. And he just, he wanted to be out there with his teammates. He wanted to be on the field with the defense. He wanted to have an impact in games. He fought to get back and he did, he made it back. And it was just really good, really good to see. And he's just another player that I'm very, very excited to to have back in 24. And that's pretty much it. As far as defensive ends who played a lot of snaps for the Browns in 23, who are going to be on the team for sure in 24. We move into Alex Wright now. He's six foot five, 267 pounds, grew up in Elba, Alabama. He played college ball at UAB. He was a third round pick, number 78 overall last year. Or I'm sorry, excuse me, two years ago by the Browns in 2022. He is 23 years old. He will turn 24 right before the season starts. So his stats for the season, he missed two tackles, but he had 25 total tackles for the year. He had six tackles for loss, five QB hits. He had five sacks. And that's something that I did not realize until I started looking into the numbers. But Alex Wright on extremely limited snaps still had five sacks. That's very, very impressive and very encouraging going in 24 whenever we've got question marks on the defensive line at the other end position. Oboe's not exactly a starting defensive end to go opposite of Miles Garrett. And I think that's what they want Alex Wright to be. That's what he was drafted to be. And I, I think that the, I feel like he had a quietly solid season this year, a good developmental season, it seems like. And you know, we could be surprised in 2024 and we could see a pretty big step from Alex Wright in, a, a, in an expanded role. So I'm excited for that. He had two forced fumbles to go along with those five sacks, one fumble recovery, two pass breakups. So again, pretty solid numbers for a guy who didn't play a whole ton of snaps. He, uh, 235 snaps. So I guess I, I'm, I'm chalking this up to be a little bit more extreme than it is. It wasn't that much fewer than Oboe, but 
he also played that entire uh, week 17 game against the Bengals. I think he played a lot more in times when the Browns were up big and Oboe was more playing to help the Browns get up big, if that makes sense. But per PFF, 54.8 defense grade, not wonderful, but again, you know, situational 62.4 pass rush. He had 21 total pressures, 15 hurries, and a quarterback hit, according to PFF. His pass rush win rate was 8.6%. He had a 49.7 run defense grade. He had 16 total stops. So kind of like Oboe with the 22, not bad, not not real bad at, at all. And I'm still kind of caught on the five sacks for Alex Wright in limited time. I mean, this kid could could be a, a steal for the Browns here coming into 24 whenever money's going to be a little bit interesting. I don't want to say it's tight. I don't want to say we're in a bad cap spot because we got a ton of, of money that we can clear up. But having a guy on a rookie deal like Alex Wright could be huge if he can produce at this kind of level. So contract-wise, heading into the third year of his rookie deal, he originally signed a four-year, $5.3 million contract with the Browns. His cap hit this year is $1.4 million, dead cap 500 k Alex Wright is, at the moment, your DE3 on the team, and probably, if the season started right now, he'd be the, the starter opposite Miles Garrett. And at $1.4 million cap hit, if he can produce the way he was on track to produce in 23, this could end up being really good for the Browns. And then that moves us into the last guy on the roster, Isaiah McGuire, six foot four, two hundred sixty-eight pounds. He was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Played college at Missouri. He was a fourth-round pick, number one hundred twenty-six overall by the Browns in twenty twenty-three. This was his rookie season. Barry Shuck from Dogs by Nature, who I mentioned earlier in the show, he came on last draft season after the Senior Bowl, and he saw Isaiah McGuire at the Senior Bowl. He talked him up. He was pretty impressed with what he saw from this kid in Mobile and. Lo and behold, the Browns come out and draft him. So we were pretty excited when the Browns picked him. Obviously, when you've got Miles and Sidarius and Oboe and Alex Wright and all these other guys on the defensive line, you're coming in as a fourth-round rookie. Not a ton of playing time this year. He, uh, let's see, he played in four games. He played against the Cardinals, the Bears, the Jets, and the Bengals. So very limited usage. He had just six tackles. He did have a sack, two tackles for loss. He had zero missed tackles. That's pretty cool. Just 94 total snaps on defense. So honestly, I mean, his, his snaps or I mean, his stats are not bad for, you know, the extremely limited time on the field. Now, Isaiah McGuire is 22 years old. He's about to turn 23 here this summer in July. And I wanted to read his NFL draft prospect profile from last offseason coming into the NFL, because again, not a lot of tape on the guy. He didn't play a lot of snaps for the Browns, but still a player that I know I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. And I think he does have quite a bit of potential with Jim Schwartz in this Browns defense. So here's what the NFL official draft prospect profile had to say. Isaiah McGuire is an edge defender with good size and length. McGuire's flashes of power and disruption might allow for a projection beyond what you would expect for his somewhat inconsistent tape. He struggles to hold his ground against edge blocks. His B-gap freestyles bring tackles for loss, but they also allow for massive run lanes. He's a bulldozing power rusher who can uproot tackles and collapse pockets with forceful punch and explosive leg drive. He'll need to get schooled up on varying his entry points and angles to keep NFL tackles guessing, but his style should translate in the league. His run defense needs work, but his size and disruption could make him a starter one day. For a fourth round pick, I think that's about, that's what you're asking for from a guy like Isaiah McGuire. So, 
you know, on par, I see him taking the Alex Wright route where year two in 2024 might be still somewhat limited for him, but I do expect to see him take some strides forward. Isaiah McGuire's contract heading into the second year of his uh, rookie deal. It's a four year, $4.5 million contract. His cap hit $1.1 million. Dead cap is 500,000. And again, very hopeful to see a, uh, a next step for Isaiah McGuire in year two with the Browns. Three more names to talk about. We'll talk about guys who are still with the team first, the reserve future deals that the Browns have signed at the defensive end position, Lonnie Phelps and Isaiah Thomas. Lonnie Phelps was a UDFA last year. Isaiah Thomas was a rookie two years ago, 2022, I do believe. And then we have one free agent, a guy that was with the team and is now a free agent. So we'll see if he ends up coming back or if there was a one year and done for Zadarius Smith with the Cleveland Browns, now Z. We'll get into his stats and stuff, but I liked him out there, man. I did. I liked watching him on the field with Miles. He brought a tenacity, and I don't really know how to explain it. It just felt like he had the right mentality to play defense in Jim Schwartz's scheme with Miles Garrett out there. And even though his numbers weren't off the charts or enormous or anything like that, kind of like we were hoping, but his impact in the games what you could just feel it from start to finish. You you knew he was impacting the game. So Zadarius Smith, we'll just run through this quick. He's 6'4, 270, born in Montgomery, Alabama, played high school at Greenville. Uh, he didn't even start playing football until he was a junior in high school. I thought that was interesting. He was a basketball player his his time up until then. He ended up playing college at East Mississippi Community College for two years before he transferred to Kentucky. He was a fourth-round pick, number 122 overall in 2015 by the Ravens. So right there, fourth-round pick. Think about, you know, Alex Wright was a third. Isaiah McGuire was a fourth. So these, you know, you don't have to be a first or second-round pick to end up being a star and a stud in the NFL. So that's why there's definitely hope for these guys with great college production and things like that. So for Zadarius Smith, this was his ninth season in the league. So he's about to enter year 10, making the decade mark. He is 31 years old and he's going to turn 32 right when the season starts. So he is an older player in the league at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how Andrew Barry in the front office wants to handle any sort of contract discussions in terms of bringing back Zadarius Smith. Stats for the season, he did miss seven tackles. He made 27. He had eight tackles for loss, 20 quarterback hits. So that was pretty, that was pretty high. I like that number. Five and a half sacks. So again, you look at Zadarius Smith, the starting D end opposite Miles Garrett had five and a half sacks. You have Alex Wright, who was kind of just a depth chart defensive end, and he had five sacks on the season. So that's why I've got a lot more optimism for Alex Wright than maybe other people are, are even talking about at this point in the offseason. But Z had one forced fumble and three pass breakups to go along with those five and a half sacks. So jumping over to PFF, Zadarius Smith, an 87.4 pass rush grade, which was pretty high. I was pretty high. I, I didn't do a whole lot on him because he's just a free agent right now. But that was 10th overall in the entire NFL. So according to PFF pass rush grades, the Browns had two top 10. They had the number one and the number 10 guy in terms of, of that grade. His total number of pressures, this is interesting. He had 60 pressures on the season, which was only, what, 26 fewer than Miles Garrett on a, let's see, he played 402 snaps, Miles Garrett 522. So, you know, Zadarius Smith was getting after the quarterback and that's, that's exactly what we were feeling with all of that. His, 
Pass rush win rate was an 18.5. Let's see where that ranks. That's got to be pretty high, right? 18.5. Yeah, okay. That's, what is that, top? That's like top 10, guys. So Zadarius Smith, Miles Garrett were both in the top 10 of pass rush win rate. And he was a very critical piece to the Jim Schwartz defensive front. And so I do look for the Browns probably to at least explore what it would take you know, to get him back on another one-year deal for 2024. Speaking of last offseason, he signed a one-year deal for $11.7 million with the Browns after we traded for him. If you remember, we sent them a fifth-round pick here in 24 and a fifth-round pick in 25 to get Zadarius Smith, a top 10, essentially, pass rusher in the NFL. So there's Andrew Barry going at it again getting a, a, an elite player, we can call him an elite player, for a couple fifth-round picks, and he also got a 2025 sixth and seventh in return. So he didn't just get Zadarius Smith. He went and got Zadarius Smith and said, why don't you throw in a couple more draft picks, and I'll give you a couple fifths. Woo, okay, well, I think we're, we're good for that. So, you know, looking back, obviously things didn't work out for the Browns in terms of we didn't win the Super Bowl, and that's what everybody's goal is at the beginning of the season in the offseason when they're making moves. But, you know, if we had, he would have been a big reason why. He would have been a big part of it. So very impressed with what Zadarius Smith brought to the Browns defense this year, what he was able to do with Miles Garrett at his running mate, and would definitely be interested to see if the Browns are able to somehow get him back Spot track currently has his estimated market value at $12.4 million, which, you know, last year was 11.7. So even higher, that's what they're projecting. Now, it doesn't mean he'll sign for that much. But if the Browns want to bring him back, they're definitely going to be flirting with that 10 to $12 million range again, probably, to retain his services for another season. So if I don't know if that's necessarily in their in their budget. But we, again, with all the restructures and all the money moving around that's going to come here in the, the coming months, we very well could see Zadarius Smith resign with the Browns. So I had a feeling this episode might run a little long. I knew I had a lot of stuff to talk about with Miles Garrett, and I didn't know how much I was really going to dive into the rest of these guys, but I did, I did a little bit you know, for each one. So I'm going to stop here with the defensive line. Those are all the ends and everything about those guys. We will save, I will I will do the defensive tackles on the next episode because we got I got quite a bit of stuff I want to talk about with these guys. And I'd like to not have this be like a two-hour episode for all of you guys. So appreciate you tuning in. Again, if, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, help us out, help us get to that 9,000 and beyond. And if you're listening on audio, we appreciate you guys following along, subscribing to the show. If you drop us a five-star comment on Apple or wherever you can, that really does help the show. We really appreciate that. Make sure you guys follow us on social media. We are everywhere posting all the time. And I will be back wrapping up the defensive line with the interior at the defensive tackle position on the next episode. And until that one comes out, let's go Browns. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at the Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.